0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Into the paint now, Duncan. Low block against Adams. Left-hand dribble. Leaning in. Baby hook off the glass is good for Tim Duncan. There you go, Tim. It is locked on Jazz for the 12th of July. Rudy Gobert heads to the Olympics. Will he do it with a new contract, we break that down. The Jazz new players and how do they work inside of PAC. Plus the news around the NBA as we say goodbye to the big fundamental. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or any of your other podcatchers. And thank you so much for dropping five stars and a review. If you take the time to type something out, it really matters. Greatly appreciated that you do that and a part of this uh, Locked On jazz community so fabulous to have you do that uh, for those who want to advertise on the program I'm talking to many of you right now uh, there is some inventory still available so you can email me at dlock09 uh, at gmail.com dlock09 at gmail.com coming up on today's program uh, we will look at rudy gobert going to the olympics Uh, Look at Rudy Gobert's contract situation and how the Jazz are going to approach that. That's the next big story. I've got a lot of emails from people wanting to know about how the new players, Joe Johnson, George Hill, Boris Diaw, fit into the pack numbers. And then we'll look around uh, some of the news of the NBA. So that's what's uh, coming up on the program. Good little conversation between Locked on Thunder and Locked on Bulls on the podcast network. uh, If you'd like to catch that. Uh, also, yesterday, Locked on Thunder had an interesting piece about is the NBA bound for a work stoppage, which probably uh, relates to everybody. At some point, I'm assuming Locked on Spurs will throw up a Tim Duncan retrospective today that's worth hearing. So those are all the things that are out there. Let's get rolling right away, as we always do. First thing every day with our pins across the world. Uh, pins across the world, or where you're listening from, where we should put a little mark and a pin down, as well as uh, what it is that made you uh, become a fan of either the NBA, if you're an NBA fan, or a jazz fan. Really ha- have enjoyed this feature, trying to get to everybody along the way. And let's go, Jonathan Keisel from. Durham, North Carolina checks in. I'm a longtime listener. I've had an intention to send in an email for some time. This is sent in in January. I'm originally just north of Salt Lake City, but moved to Denver, Colorado for graduate school, followed by a move to Durham, North Carolina, where I'm privileged to work as a mental health provider. I think I might have the best job in the world. My original plan, of course, was to be Carl Malone, but I lacked about 70 pounds and 9 inches, he says. Anyway, I just wanted to share two quick moments about my jazz fandom and one uh, thought related to work. I'll try to be brief. As a kid growing up in northern Utah, I participated in junior jazz programs throughout my youth as a player, referee, coach. So many good memories, but the thrill of all thrills when my friend and I uh, picked out of the crowd on junior jazz participants during a player workshop to do layup drills with the one and only Walter Bond. No relation to James. Can't describe the thrill of being on the court with an NBA player. I still remember that afterwards he asked for my name, address, telephone number, and shoe size. I haven't yet received what I assumed would be shoes or something from the team, but as a fan, I got the thrill of a young life getting instruction and high-five and making some layups. Uh, By the way, does everybody realize that the Junior Jazz program that is run by Nate Martinez and the Jazz is the model uh, program in the NBA. Really not done by anyone else. It's unique to us in Salt Lake City. It's really a incredible work. Uh, second, as we all know, being a fan can lead to some funny ideas, beliefs, behaviors. I developed a belief during the runs that the Jazz had to the NBA Finals. If I stayed in one spot in our living room throughout the game, the Jazz simply couldn't lose. Yeah, I think we've all done this. So whenever I was at, able to watch the game, my family put up with my belly aching when I sacrificed my team. doesn't sound too bad, but let me tell you, there are a lot of discomforts remaining in one position for a full 48 minutes of the Finals. I learned an important lesson about... A, Illusionary correlations and having a great time feeling a part of special teams for my own well-being. I'm leaving the results to the team now, but I still watch and read anything I can related to the Jazz. This is Jonathan in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, So anyway, uh, that uh, is our pin across the world today. All right, awesome. Let's get to our tip-off story of the day. Uh, So Rudy Gobert is... I talked to him. He actually kind of wavered on the Olympics. I left that out yesterday. I didn't know if our conversation was totally on the record or off. And then he talked to Jody, and he wavered. And then uh, yesterday he told the Salt Lake Tribune that he is going to play for France in the Olympics. And that... I think that's terrific. I know it's super important for him. It's a. It was probably a hard decision because there's a lot of things going on for Rudy right now, and uh, what one of those things is 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 he's up for his contract negotiation, and so what you what it's you know the Jazz let's clarify this. There's no like doubt that he is going to stay with the Jazz, and the Jazz are going to redo his deal. But next year's rookie class is particularly interesting. One, because their extension is now a part of the new collective bargaining agreement so that when they are suddenly talking about getting max deals, they're going to be up in the lexicon of $25 million for Rudy Gobert. Uh, That doesn't sound... I mean, I think we all know that Rudy coming back is, is awfully important to the Jazz and that Rudy's a part of this, but are you just automatically maxing him out is really the question you get there. Um, And, well, yeah, of course we are. But then gets to the next question of when. And none of this is easy because there's about three different factors that are playing in here that aren't going to make this easy. Number one is that nobody in that draft class is likely to be a max player other than Giannis Adedokounmpo. And so, while in previous draft classes, you kind of always went and said, oh, well, he'll max him out. That draft class has been so poor. Victor Oladipo's been good. But then you really have Giannis out kumbo, and then you have Rudy Gobert. And Maybe Steven Adams with his playoff play is going to get a lot of money, but that's it. Contavious Caldwell-Pope's not going to be. Ben McLemore. Who Ben McLemore and Michael Carter-Williams and Trey Burke have played the fourth, fifth, and sixth amount of minutes in uh, that draft class, and arguably none of them are going to be rotation players this year. So that gives you an idea of how bad this draft class has been. C.J. McCollum is probably close to the max. So first thing is, that you just, I'm not sure you have to roll out the max here. I think this is going to get to be an interesting negotiation just on what guys are worth. The second issue that gets interesting is that Gobert is making 2.1 million right now. The Jazz extend him. He still makes 2.1 in 2016, 17, but in, it sets his contract for 17, 18. At, and I'm going to do wide ranging numbers, it's somewhere around 25 million. That number, if he signs an extension prior to the beginning of this season, becomes what's called his cap hold. The cap hold is the number that goes on to the Jazz, or actually, it's just his salary. It's not even a cap hold at that point. So at that point, the Jazz, he would use 17 or 18 million of the Jazz. 25, or excuse me, he would use 25 million of the Jazz cap room in 1718. I've kind of screwed this up. Too. So if you're confused right now, you should be because I've screwed this up. So let me explain again. Point one was it's not clear that every rookie is going to have to be maxed. One because it's a new max, and two because that draft class is so weird. All right, number two gets to be that the Jazz next year. Rudy's at 2.1 million this year. At next year the Jazz are at 53 million dollars of salary and I the luxury tax or the salary cap is going to be about 102 million. Now they may or may not end up having any cap room by the time this is done cuz Hayward's going to go from 16 to about 32. So that cuts away at about 16 million dollars of of their cap space. Uh and they have uh, their cap holds on some other guys are pretty big as well. And so there's they're at about $28 million, So there's a real chance that the Jazz don't have a lot of cap space. But if Hayward were to leave and then the Jazz suddenly did have a bunch of cap space, you don't want to have Rudy Gobert on the books for $25 million yet. Because if you don't sign Rudy to the extension now and you, ex- and you sign him, he'll be a restricted free agent, maybe to the whole Max deal, maybe to whatever it is. Next year, during free agency, his cap hold will only be 3 or $4 million. This is what the Spurs did with Kawhi Leonard. So signing Gobert before October 31st of this year would cost the Jazz, and I am very rough estimates here, somewhere in the world round of $20 million of cap space if Hayward were to leave and you suddenly are playing the free agent marketplace. Now, if Hayward stays and you're paying him his... Thirty million, and you've already got Favors on for 12, and Joe Johnson on for 11, and Alec on for 10, and Boris on for 7.5, and you might end up, and Boris, I'm not sure, is fully guaranteed, and you hopefully are extending George Hill, and Dante's has got to be dealt with in some capacity as well, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, and you've got all these guys, well then you probably aren't playing with a lot of cap room anyway, and it doesn't matter, but you don't know that right now. So now the question gets to be, uh, so now the question gets to be whether or not there's some give and take here that Gobert and his agent have with the Jazz. So I don't know the number, but let's play with it at $25 for Gobert to be maxed out on the contract, and do you max it out now with Rudy as a sign of respect and everything else to him? I mean, if you look at the 538 numbers on win share for the future of our players, Rudy doesn't look like a max player. Uh, I think we all know what his value and his importance to the organization is, but he certainly needs to develop some more. But I don't think it's an issue of whether you're going to max him or not or you're going to pay him a buttload of money or not. You're going to do that. So, But now the question is, well, maybe if the Jazz signed him early, he takes a little less than the max, since the max is so huge, and the Jazz, in order to save that money, are willing to give up that f- financial freedom. And that's the give and take that the Jazz have to figure out whether it's worth. And the only reason for the Jazz to sign Rudy before October 31st is one of two uh, Excuse me, yeah, October 31st is usually the day. One of two reasons. One is so that he doesn't feel slighted. Kawhi Leonard was pissed. He dealt with it, but he was pissed. Or two, that somehow the Jazz get something for doing it early. They get some sort of uh, you know, reduced salary or something of that sort. And the reason to not do it, Now, is exactly what I talked about, cap flexibility, but a huge amount of cap flexibility. Maybe the most, this negotiation with Gobert, in all likelihood, is the largest discrepancy between cap holds if you don't sign him and cap impact if you do sign him ever in the history of restricted free agency in the NBA, and that makes this a little more complicated than some others. So hopefully after screwing that up, I made sense of it, but that's something we'll be talking about a lot. And yes, you just spent time listening to the inner workings of a contract negotiation and the boredom that exists on that. So wake up, because we've got more exciting things to talk about. Like PAC, numbers, PAC, points above average created, the numerical system that I use to judge the value of offensive players in the NBA. The concept is, if you haven't heard it before, that if uh, Rodney Hood uses uh, 13.4 scoring opportunities a game, How does he compare to the average player in the NBA? And last year, if Rodney Hood used 13.4 average possessions, he scored the exact same amount of points of what the average player in the NBA did with those points. So his pack rating was zero. Rudy Gobert was actually the best on the Jazz, despite his limited offensive skills, uh, because in the 7.8 offensive possessions he uses, shooting 56%, he was a .6. Gordon Hayward, in his 18 possessions a night, or scoring opportunities a night, uh, was also a .6. So those were the Jazz best. The Jazz, one of my premises is if you're going to win a title, you need to have everybody on your roster being positive. Uh, if you have negative pack, it'll come to get you. Last year, uh the only Matthew Dellavedova was negative point two, didn't play in the playoffs, and Amon Schumpert was negative .8. But every other player on the Cleveland Cavaliers was a positive pack player. Uh, the Warriors are somewhat similar to that, have been, and they have the dominant guys on the top. Uh, but last year, their only negative pack player was Mo Spates and Anderson Varejao. Um, and we saw that their minutes really were reduced in the playoffs. And Anderson Varejao was death, and Andrew Bogut was a plus point seven every night compared to Anderson Varejao, who was a minus point four. So, if you wonder if that Bogut injury mattered, that would be one point uh, per night difference between those two. One point, one point per night. That I mean, only I don't think one point really mattered much in the NBA Finals Game Seven. <laughs> It did so. Here's what the Jazz were last year: Trevor Booker was a minus point one, Howell Neto was a minus point two, Trey Lyles was a minus point three, Chris Johnson was a minus point four, Alec Burks was a minus point five, Trey Burke was a minus point seven, and Shelvin Mack was a minus point six for the season. Uh, I don't have what he just was with the Jazz. So, what's interesting there? is that Lyles, in his second year in the league, is all rookies are negative their first year almost universally, has a chance to get better. And Alec Burks, we just have to see, is a minus .5. Uh, but Booker, Netos, Chris Johnson, Trey Burke, Shelvin Mack are not likely to be part of the rotation. So what did the Jazz change? exchange them with? Joe Johnson last year in Miami was positive. For the season was a minus .1. The year before was a minus 0.3. The year before was a positive 0.6. So Joe Johnson, uh, at 36 years old, you probably could get a little nervous on whether or not he still has offensive productivity. The only thing that's interesting to me, and we'll talk more about this with Joe, is that he's at 41,000 miles in his, miles, uh, minutes in his career. And so he was trying to be the lead guy. And it failed. He wasn't a lead guy anymore. That makes sense. How will he do as a complementary player? Uh, his year that he was positive, the 13-14 year, he was still playing with Paul Pierce and Darren Williams. He shot 33% of his shots as threes and 7% as the free, from the free throw line. The uh, next year where he was a minus .3 uh, with – Again, he was the main guy on that team in the mess that was Brooklyn. He shot 27% of his shots from three and then dropped to 6% of his shots from the free, free throw line. And last year, uh, overall, for his season, both between Miami and Brooklyn, uh, he was 29% of his shots from three and 6% from the free throw line. So he has stopped going to the line. Uh, he never was a great go-to-line guy, but he really is not going to line much. But I would suspect that his three-point shooting moves up to thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-eight percent of his shots, and that makes him a much more productive player. Uh, George Hill last year was a plus point three, a one point two the year before, which is incredible. Uh, when Paul George is out, and a plus point four, so that's a big jump right there. I mean, even if it's just from Howell, Neto, and Trey Burke and the minus 0.9 of those two to the plus 0.3, that's three or four wins over the course of a season right there in that change offensively. And if you get the 1.2, George Hill, boy, do you ever onto something. And Boris Diaw last year was a positive 0.5. The year before he was a minus 0.1, and the year before that he was a positive 0.6. So if Diaw – if you're getting Diaw instead of Trevor Booker uh, – then that's that's a significant jump, not as big. And if Trey Lyles just has to become positive, Trey Lyles has to make that evolutionary jump that that makes sense uh, that he would do that. Uh, Dio last year used 13.4% of his possessions to uh, shoot a three. And that number to me is interesting that Dio only used 13 percent of his possessions uh, to shoot a three last year. Uh, much lower than what I thought of. Um, I really had a vision that Diao shot much more uh, kind of spot up top of the break, three-point shooting uh, than he did. The year prior, he was at 21%, and the, and three years ago, uh, he was at – 15 percent so really miss misnomer on my end about where boris is playing and how he's playing we'll interested to see uh what he does in this upcoming uh year so th- those are the pack numbers for the jazz update on the gobert contract situation uh to keep an eye on good uh piece on the ringer by the way focusing on the jazz uh if you get a chance to read it uh by jonathan sharks and i think i'll end up Uh, using him for Lockdown NBA this week. Uh, Elsewhere around the league, a few little notes. Jamal Murray went off last night with 29. Uh, Jared Sullinger was uh, picked up by Toronto. And uh, so, of course, that seems like a good move because he's Jared Sullinger and you decide that you just got a player. Except for the fact that Jared Sullinger last year was a minus 1.4 pack player, one of the worst in the league. Uh, And so that should not help Toronto at all. And he's not a particularly good uh, defensive player. The worst pack players in the league last year were Moutier, Kobe, uh, Derrick Rose. Again, if Derrick Rose isn't dramatically different, uh, he'll be terrible for New York. Ish Smith, who was signed to a decent-sized deal. Norris Cole. uh, Marcus Smart. Jervis Vasquez, who just signed a deal, was a negative 1.5. Stanley Johnson, minus 1.4. Jared Sullinger, minus 1.4. Joe Noah, minus 1.4. Uh, Alfred Payton, minus 1.4. Andre Drummond, minus 1.4. Julius Randle, minus 1.4. Interesting discussion on the Locked on Lakers podcast about whether Larry Nance Jr. might be better than Julius Randle. I I think there's some real validity uh, to that conversation. Uh, One of the other guys that wasn't very good last year was Terry Rozier, minus 1.4. He only played in minus 1.2. He only played in 39 games. Uh, But as a rookie, you just kind of dismiss that. They'll develop. He's been really good in summer league. He looks like he has. Um, a little bit of a chance uh, to what he's doing right now. Uh, Jazz may very well have ended up drafting Cork uh, Korkmaz. He ended up getting taken by Philadelphia had the Jazz kept their pick. He's going to stay in Europe. Uh, we kind of mentioned offhand at the end of yesterday's show that uh, Tim Duncan's retiring. Uh, he's, you know, just one of the great careers we'll ever see. And uh, an incredible winner. 70% of his wins. When I start, I said Uh, Yesterday on a radio interview, I start with Michael as the best player to ever play the game, and then he's in the discussion starting at number two. He just, you know, he he entered the league as a twenty ten guy, three assists as well, and two blocks, and he did that for the first ten years of his career. Not quite. I think it was eight years of his career, Uh, and then one year. One year he had a nineteen and eleven with instead of a 20 i mean just an incredible incredible run and then from 21 to 30 and then he just maintained this incre- this amazing ability of winning uh, beyond that so the league is not the league is better for him and not as good that he's gone it's an interesting contrast to me the difference between kobe and uh, Duncan and how they go out and what their careers are and how they'll be remembered and who they are uh, as players. It seems uh, as a very interesting uh, contrast. In and I obviously would say I have a uh, I would say I have a a preference to those two um, in how it's going to take place and um, and you know and how I would want my star to go out. Uh, one torpedo to franchise the other left one stronger. I I think that will be, in many ways, should probably be the lasting memory of those two different players. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. If you'd like to advertise on the program, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, as well as uh, thank you for the five stars on iTunes, wherever it is. Subscribe to Locked on Jazz. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 Straight Fit Jeans for Guys, $36.99. And select Arizona Booties for Her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon ballot 10-5 to 10-9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance elections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season 1, 927 to 1018.